Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our series on independence. We are featuring mostly entrepreneurs this month with stories that are most certain to reach you in various ways. I have learned so much from each of these women in the series in and outside of these interviews and bringing them to you just makes me absolutely giddy. Today's guest is a mentor of mine and you will be amazed by her strength, wisdom, and insight that she shares in this interview. Naomi Harm is an instigator of STEM innovation and an ed tech woman in leadership, thought leader, and influencer. Her 20 plus years in the educational learning space reflects a passion driven approach to leading and learning. She has led as a CUE and GSS education specialist, ISTE faculty instructional coach, Google certified innovator, woman in leadership coach and mentor, Lego education master educator, CS for teacher ambassador, and CEO and founder of her own innovative educator consulting company. If that weren't enough, Naomi's past. Uh, boasts with it a K-12 strategic educator manager for Wonder Workshop, K-12 education strategist for Dell EMC, national Intel senior trainer, ed tech director for 26 Wisconsin school districts, and she was a fourth and fifth grade looping teacher with a te- and a technology coach. She has spoken at over 125 national and international technology conferences, and she is passionate about sharing lessons she has learned with other leaders in a variety of fields. In this episode, Naomi shares her launch story, providing an impactful message to us about seeking our own passions and leaving what she calls a legacy of good. She also shares her intensely personal story of her youngest son and his in-line-of-duty accident and how she and her husband have leveraged their love for their son and passion for this work to maintain a healthy lifestyle and live as devoted parents to their bionic soldier. Listeners, It is Naomi's story of strength and leadership and motherhood that inspired and fortified me one year ago from this month when I first learned of it. And I was so inspired, I wrote a blog titled In Awe of Naomi Harm. And this podcast and my business was not even a thought at that time. When the title came to me for my own business and solitude, so did that blog title. And since then, my connection with Naomi has deepened, and I am so grateful for her influence in our world. It is a true and tender honor to share with you my friend, Naomi Harm's independence story. Welcome, Naomi Harm, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so elated to have you on the show and for my listeners to hear your incredible story. We have you featured on the Independence Series, and I know that you're going to have so much treasure to share with our listeners today. So welcome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's just an honor to be here with you. Naomi, I would love for our listeners to hear just your entire life story. I know we're only going to get to snippets of it today, but hopefully we can hit the highlights. But would you be willing to share for our listeners who don't know about you what your current context is? Well, my current context is I'm a global women in leadership specialist. I speak nationally and internationally about everything good to empower women leaders and young girls. I have a lot to do with STEM and innovation and how we can really empower girls with science, technology, engineering, actually the arts and mathematics. Um, My background context is I have been a classroom teacher from kindergarten to fourth, fifth grade looping teacher, a technology coordinator, and a director of technology for 26 school districts. But the current pathway that I currently walk is that I own my own women in leadership company and have for the last 10 years. 
the opportunity to also inspire others with how we can leave a legacy of good, to empower others, to engage them in the conversation, to know that ultimately what we do in our educational world is going to impact our future generations of our students. I love that you are in a current space of taking all of your educational background, bringing it to people for a decade. And then now kind of in this, I don't know that it's new, but I know a little bit more about what you're doing with coaching other women leaders. And I'm just so excited for the work that you're doing and the impact that you're having. Can you share with our listeners just a little bit about what made you launch from you know, working in organizations, you know, you went from the classroom to an organization where you were the leader of 26 school districts to deciding, you know what, I'm going to launch out and do this on my own and create a space for other women as well. Do you want to share a little bit about how that journey took off? Absolutely. Um, Having the opportunity to work with so many educators nationwide provided me the opportunity to connect on so many different levels with so many different types of content. I went through a period over 10 years ago when my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And from the time that he was diagnosed to the time that he had passed, and had just been over a little over six months. And uh, he lived down in Northeast Iowa on uh, the wonderful dairy farm that I grew up on. So that's where I had my work ethic from and milking cows and chisel plowing and baling hay since the age of nine years old. <laughs> but that work ethic and that, you know, that time that I got to spend with my dad, uh, we really grew, grew very, very close. And I was very, very close with my dad. So when knowing that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and how his health deteriorated. Uh, He had to travel from Northeast Iowa up to uh, the corner of La Crosse, Wisconsin, you could say, to get medical care. So uh, that pathway is where I used to live in Brownsville, Minnesota, on a beautiful home on the river. So because of that, we got to spend a lot of time those last six months together, or he would stay with me as we got him to his appointments, or I would go back down to see him when I could. I was in a position where uh, working at an educational organization, it had just changed administrative leadership. And my past administrative leader, I must, I just have to give a shout out as to Mr. Jerry Freimark. He was just an amazing mentor, uh, a very gentle man, but had this vision to really empower others to take that next step to be in those leadership roles. He had continue on um, to retire from that position, and then we got a new administrative leader. That new administrative leader, I would say, was very short-sighted in the vision that we had basically carved out for our agency and working as with collaborative team members. His mentality was basically a silo mentality, and he wanted to break down what it seemed like we had such collaborations between our teams. Because of that, his vision of where he wanted to go really, I would say, did not fit well with where I was at. And because of that, we butted heads quite often. He also had a very hard time seeing that a woman leader was in charge of the technology leadership department that really um, empowered our 26 school districts to take it to the next level. And as you can about imagine, the pressure from my dad that he was currently dying, it was hard to give 100% in both areas. Um, Having that one-to-one with my dad, my dad could tell I was not happy at all. And uh, we had a heart-to-heart, 
And my dad says, you are just not yourself lately. And he says, I know that I'm not doing well, but he says, you're not talking positively about your work and you're not talking a lot about your work anymore. And because of that, he told me, you have a choice. You know, you've been in this world where you've been helping others so much and you're making a difference. And because of that, um, he really inspired me to take that next leap because he says, I know that you're a phenomenal cook and baker, so you could open up your own pastry um, shop or your own bakery <laughs> company. He always told me about that. And I got to I gotta just commend my grandmother from that. But at the same time, he also says, what you're doing, he says, I can tell that you're so passionate about the technology integration and the leadership component. Why don't you start your own business, your own company? And um, he really got me thinking, thinking differently how I might approach things. Because of that, um, I went back in the following week and I was offered an opportunity to speak in South Africa. Uh, I had a connection through a connection of my work. And so I came back to this administrator and I'd asked and he had said, absolutely not. You're not presenting outside the scope of the state of Wisconsin. I was mortified. I was devastated. This was an opportunity of a lifetime to impact global leaders and have an opportunity to experience a culture and a group that I had never worked with before. So you can about imagine, we continued to butt heads more and more. By that January, uh, my dad had passed in October. It was very, very difficult. And by that January, I just said, I can't take it anymore. And we kind of went head to head and uh, departed ways. I started my company that following month. I took a, a 30 days off to really give myself a new grounded mindset to think differently of how I could approach starting a women in leadership company at the same time grieving my dad, but at the same time getting back to the ed tech leader from South Africa and told him that, yes, I can come and be your keynoter for the SchoolNet conference to impact so many educators. I have to pause for a second because I had never heard in detail the origin story of how you had started out and launched. I had known a few pieces of that, but the impact of hearing your dad's words to you and just knowing you, um, your heart and how he could see that in you is just, it's so poignant and beautiful. And I'm just sitting here going, go Naomi, go kick some butt. <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. And that fact that your dad was the one who kind of planted that seed of empowerment uh, to get you rocking. And I also love how you mentioned that you're actually a farm girl from Iowa living in Arizona <laughs> yeah. because people wouldn't know that about you at this space in your journey had you not shared it. I know. I think a lot about that, Sarah, because we both are originally from, as you know, the Midwest. And a lot of people are always trying to figure out how did you go from there to get to there? And <laughs> when, when we present as educational leaders too, they can never picture us as, you know, really rolling up our sleeves and being a dedicated farm girl. And like I said, milking cows from 4.30 in the morning, getting on that school bus, going to school all day, coming home, doing chores, you know, and repeating that for how many years. But that dedicated work ethic and that drive has been instilled for me from a lifetime from my father. But also I mentioned my grandmother earlier. She was such a wonderful cook and baker and actually a horticulturalist because she supplied all of the flowers to our local church. But because of what they did and how they nurtured the minds and nurtured our hands, but 
really nurtured the products we created. For me, that was so fulfilling. And I wanted to create my product that could really impact others and inspire others to find what their craft was or what their calling was to do more. So I'm very, very fortunate for my family history. Mm, absolutely. And I also want to get to how you are pouring that into your own grandchildren now. It's it's just such an incredible legacy. But before we get to that, Naomi, so you, you took off, you said 30 days to just kind of reestablish yourself. And in those times, are there any emotions that you can kind of recall? all a range that you'd share with the listeners because we I'm certain we have people listening right now in this series that are in a similar spot you know maybe it's time that they're at that tension point in their lives where they're going to consider launching so any chance you could share some of those feelings you were having at that time and, and maybe even some of the the barriers and the the things that you've busted through since yes absolutely man I tell you I think after I had that confrontation with that individual, um, I had to change my mindset because I was just furious. I was angry at the same time that I couldn't have an individual trust in me. But what helped build the momentum over those 30 days is 24 of the 26 school districts re- reached out to me personally and said, we need you. We value you. We need your leadership to continue your efforts of where you left off. So because of those school districts believing in me, but valuing what I offered to them really empowered me to continue with my effort. I had given times though thought, oh my good heavens, what am I thinking? I don't have a paycheck coming in every single week or every other week. I don't have the benefits that I had. How do I, how do I rebuild this? How do I start? So those connections that I had, I continued to reach out because they reached out to me and to entrust in those relationships. So first and foremost, I focused on relationships, but then I also focused on an educational plan with those schools. What is it that they wanted to do to make a difference, to empower their staff or their students to stand out within each of their school districts? I help myself really to create, it's called a technology leadership action planning document. And it really focuses on where we can really talk about at the beginning, you know, what is one thing that you're truly struggling in this school district that you want to change, but we only talk about it for about five minutes. It's like, get it out there on the table. Let's talk about it. But then let's talk about the change that you really want to make and what's the positive learning outcome. And then we focus on that for about 15 minutes. From there, we do a backwards aligned strategy to create a technology leadership action plan, but by empowering others to focus on the learning outcomes, who are going to be the collaborative partners, as meaning the students and the teachers and who's in your district to make the difference. But how are we going to quantify and qualify that we are making a difference with the change? And so I set up this plan that we don't reflect on it once a year. We don't reflect on it every six months. We reflect on it every 30 days. And I think that 30 days from the beginning, and I always refer back to 30 days. I took 30 days off to really change my mindset. I use that basically analogy in a lot of things that I do. Because if you cannot make change in 30 days or even see a a type of an impact, you need to rethink what you're doing to move forward. 
There may be some strengths and strategies that you can see that change, but sometimes we need to modify that. Maybe it is changing what is the outcome that I really want. Maybe it's somebody I need to connect and communicate with, to partner with, to continue to build my company. Or what is it that I need to do to make something of difference happen? So again, those 30 days for me, I take it a month by month. A lot of people say, well, can't you plan out five and 10 years out? It's kind of hard to do that. I kind of know where I want to be in five to 10 years. But if I can plan out 30 days at a time, I have a purpose. I have a meaningful pathway to help me see almost that end product, helping me then see the next 30 days. So advice to others as part of this I know at times it seems like your mission or where you're going seems cluttered or can even seem like it's so overwhelming. But if you can carve out a 30-day pathway that you feel that you can own, you have purpose, you have it goal-aligned and even smart goal-aligned, but to help you see the small accomplishments, you're finding the success and you're building the confidence in yourself to get to that next 30 days to try something new to be added. So it's not so overwhelming at a given time. Well, and I love that that 30 day mentality tied to your own kind of reset, <laughs> reset the deck time in your life. Mm-hmm. And it, it is solid. You know, I think about in educational leadership, you have an entry plan, you go 30, 60, 90 day cycle, you know, and they're all 30 day increments. Right. Um, makes a lot of sense. And I really love the wisdom that you're sharing. So anybody who's considering launching this idea that you do it in small chunks, but you got to see some impact. And when you look back at a couple of 30 day cycles, you're going to see that if you're, you know, you're intentional and you're focused, because if we go too big, it's so overwhelming. This world of entrepreneurship is there's such a skill set that you have to gain in a variety of ways. And I know that you've, you've just given me such wisdom in the months that we've been connected about the little things that you don't even think about, but you learn along the journey. And I love that you brought it into school systems too, to consider that 30 day reflection cycle. You're in a field specifically when you've been working with school districts on technology. We know that that's a, it's a, it's an environment of hyper change. (laughs) We were just talking about the tools change consistently and you can, you know, get frazzled by that, or you can create a system uh, framework and then work within that and have that reflection tool. I love it. It's just such a wise way to approach your work. Yes. I'm very happy with it the, the way it is, but I think also it helps sometimes when When you have family situations too, you know, we can only control what we can control at a given time. And sometimes, you know, you're put in a space where uh, whether it's a family situation or an imbalance or something has happened and you feel like you're out of control and smaller pieces of time allows for you to gain back and empower to have control in your life, but to also make sure that you are aware and present um, when you are with family members or whether you're working with school members, um, making sure that that relationship impact is still intact, that it doesn't get so overwhelming. And again, I always call them um, small snackable content bites. And that's what I do with teachers too. And especially when it comes to technology, there's so much out there. Like you and I had just talked about this, Sarah. I mean, the types of technology that you're using to create this podcast, it's phenomenal. The technology is changing so quickly. How do we know which is the latest and greatest? 
But if we can help others identify one Mm -hmm. or two tangible technology products or resources that can make the change and the lasting change of a learning scenario with a teacher or a student, that's what the difference is. It's not having 500 different types of apps or 500 different types of tools. It's one or two to really be the game changer and knowing that your message is really being empowered from the type of confidence and comfort level that you can deploy that type of technology literacy in your teaching, learning, or personal life. Right. And so for those listening, I want you to hear that Naomi's work and messaging in schools is it's evergreen in my world because I've been able to be on both ends. I've worked in a district that contracted with you. And so I've been the learner at the table. And then I've been able to recently watch you lead a school district and just be a very tiny part of that planning and seeing how it's always, it's not just about chasing tech. It's about integrating it in a way that's meaningful to impact the learners that we have today. And I watched you uh, share a message of an upcoming generation, generation alpha with a school district. And I'm just, I love that you keep yourself so relevant. You have such a high mission and a high calling to make an impact. And so it's this passion that flows through you, but it's also, um, you know, a really beautiful kind of mixture of your high quality worth, work ethic, care for people, and a desire to continue to helping educators be their very best, not in spite of and not in, not because of, but integrating in that tech. I just, I love your mindset with it. It's really, really healthy. So thank you for doing that for our world. It's really important. I'm so glad that you launched out. (laughs) I really am. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I I appreciate that. And you summarized that quite well. So thank you. (laughs) Well, I just feel fortunate that I got to to get those vantage points. Yeah, and it is. But it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of dedication. But it takes also the opportunity for us as human beings to be vulnerable, to share our story, but knowing that we can entrust in others to ensure that they can actively listen, to continually to guide us, and to take the wisdom from others and to put that into place as well. Because there's no way that we can know everything, and even especially when it comes to technology. And I just love learning from others. And also when there's something that I don't know, I can share that other person's story and say, I learned this from Sarah Johnson and she's empowered me to do this because this is how she showed me how she feels comfortable with this type of technology, how she's making a difference with students or teachers or her own personal life. And those are the stories that we need to continually to tell others because it's the story that gets us engaged to make the difference. And then when you can share an exemplar example, teachers then feel they can trust you. They feel they have an opportunity to learn and saying, you know what, I can try this too. And it builds their confidence. Yeah. And going back to, you know, your kind of mission of empowering, and I I know you mentioned the shout out to the administrator that you had worked under when you were really kind of flowing through the passion and working in that tech director role, it had an impact on you. Your current 
I don't know, I don't know if it's current, but it's kind of fostering and flourishing is this idea that you are working and coaching other women. And I just want the world to hear. I'm so thankful that you're out there, Naomi, because this is the In Awe podcast, Amplifying Women. There just are many, there are fewer women successfully out there doing what you've been doing for a decade. So, you know, you are a real example of what the, all of the uh, strengths of your style of leadership can accomplish. So can you just share with the listeners a little bit about that arena that you're in now, kind of recently with this coaching uh, women executives and women leaders? Yes. Um, the, the women in leadership coaching model um, has really evolved from taking it to the next level. And that next level was my calling when I hit that beautiful age of 50 years old this past year. And I knew even prior to coming to 50 years old, I wanted to do more. And my focus is to leave a legacy of good, especially with women leaders, to empower them to ensure that they have a voice and they truly have a choice in their learning and the opportunity to leave their legacy of good as well on our wonderful world that we live in. I always say we, we live on this earth for such a very, very short time. And how can you leave your legacy of good by making a mark that will re resonate for just generations to come? So because of that, I also had an influential uh, women leadership mentor, I would say, uh, during the time when I was at the educational uh, company back in Wisconsin, and I'll have to give a shout out, um, Myrna Doherty was a curriculum director uh, for the agency, and she was my mentor when I went through that time period. And she really helped me with speaking skills. She really helped me with the way I delivered content and how I could even improve the way I delivered the content. But at the same time, it was the act of listening and those courageous comments that she would provide back to me to encourage me to do more. But also, she provided me constructive criticism and how to take constructive criticism in a positive way to improve upon myself. So wrapping that all together, um, knowing that I've been in this field of education for way over 20 years now, I wanted to say, what could I do for others? Because I see the role of young girls and young women coming up through the ranks, and they want to have this forward vision of incorporating more STEM in their life. And how can they basically break through that field where mostly men um, have a lot of STEM leadership roles? So working with a lot of young girls and young women, it's like, I need to do more for myself so I can empower them to build their confidence. So I proceeded to take a women in executive leadership course from Cornell University. Very glad that I did. Um, it was a totally online class, but it was blended in the aspect that it had embedded video clips. It had learning scenarios that you reflected on. You could read, you could create, and you could also produce your final products at your own pace. I really liked it because it was snackable chunks again. I, I could do it at my time in between working all the time. It allowed for me to actually take my real life learning and what I was doing in leadership and put it immediately into practice, but then to tweak it and make it 10 times better. So because of that, um, 
I really focused on how I could actually be a role model for others to help young girls, young women, or even organizations. I have a lot of connections with major corporations. What was important about that is I wanted to see that if I also actively advertised and marketed not only what I'm doing, but now of this coaching leadership role, how that would impact others. And it was amazing to see how others that I worked with said, yes, I need some help in this area. Or I've had this question for a long time and I'm not getting help over here. Could you help me? So I've been in that role and in that space for a long time. But now that I've formulated a woman in leadership coaching concept and almost like a marketing package, it focuses on the whole human being. It's not only in what you're doing in your job. It's what your relationship role is in your home environment, whether it's with your spouse or your partner or your kids. But how do we find better balance? And that was another critical turning point for me. I had more 40 and 50 year old women coming back to me and saying, I just need to talk to somebody. I'm having these ideas of what I'd like to do next, or I'm really struggling in this area. How did you overcome that? So we would just really have deeper conversations. And I think that's really where the calling is for a lot of us as women leaders. We don't have enough in this arena of helping each other to be active listeners helping each other's find really creative solutions and knowing that we can have these conversations and empower others to be 10 times better than ourselves without feeling that maybe there's a trust issue. And it's like, I'm so beyond that. I want to empower others that they can be 10 times better than what I ever could be because then I know that I have done my job of leaving my legacy of good to empower other women leaders. I love it, Naomi. I'm so, I'm, it's just fun to watch how you have evolved over time, um, how your leadership has evolved and how now you are feeling this call to just kind of give it, give it back and give the lessons. And as a primary benefactor of that, just through our connection, I'm, I can just say that, you are, you work through it in such a, like a spiritual philanthropic way. I don't know how else to put that. Um, that clearly is such a gift to the world. And I know you mentioned, you know, just being vulnerable and, and building that trust. And so one of the things I'd really love the listeners to hear about Naomi is a little bit of your journey there. When you talk about the fact that you launched, you know, you've got a successful business, you have a family. Um, you know, I said that I wanted to circle back to how you're kind of giving that back to the generation in your own family, but also that you know something about what you're talking about when you say, you know, you got to plan for 30 day increments because you don't know what life's going to throw at you. Would you be willing to just share with the listeners a little bit about the, um, the experience that your son had and kind of how that's impacted decisions for you and your husband and, and all of that? Absolutely, Sarah. Yeah. And I can speak about this now without crying, where in past five years, I couldn't, it would be, it would be very, very impactful and almost hurtful to talk about it. But I'm at a point now that I can celebrate where my son is at. And I have three beautiful children. Um, My oldest son, Ryan is 34. My middle son, Darren is 32. And our youngest son, Jacob is 24. And what's amazing about these children is that they, they each are so very unique and very different. 
and that's what makes them so special. Um, our youngest son uh, decided and has always been very focused on his world. Our Jacob enlisted in the U.S. Army actually when he was already in high school and did his basic training. And as soon as he graduated from high school, uh, he had gone through his next level of training from Oklahoma and then down through Texas. So he was only within the armed services for one year, and he was on the schedule to be p- deployed within that next within that next year. And we knew about that. But where he was at in his lifetime, um, he wanted to give back so much to protect our world. Of course, he was influenced by two grandfathers. My dad was in the army as a paratrooper, and my husband's father was within the navy as well for his lifetime. So two amazing grandfathers that have who had done a lot uh, for our our world to protect them. But our Jacob um, was in a very serious in line of duty accident um, about a year and a half in of where he was at, and it happened down in El Paso, Texas. And a lot of people think, well, gosh, normally they hear um, soldiers that are injured overseas. Well, there's a lot of accidents that happen happen locally within our U.S. and on the Army bases. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. But I won't go in the details about his accident. But his accident left um, our baby, I'll call him, I still call him our baby, um, in very, very critical condition where he had broken over 70% of the bones in his body from his shoulder blades all the way down to his ankles. It also left him with a very severe traumatic brain injury. The impact um, that he had from this accident uh, did extensive damage to his frontal lobe and also from the shearing of the accident of how his head um, was hurt that he actually broke off one quarter inch of his brain stem. He was immediately, as you can about imagine, um, put in trauma care uh, down in El Paso, and he was in a coma for over 20 days. Uh, We got the call, and uh, they, they said most likely he would not make it through the night. So as parents, we were extremely devastated. You could imagine we got the first flight out as soon as we could and got down there within like 12 hours. And what we came to and what we had seen, we were mortified as parents um, to see your son totally helpless of, of where he was at, not moving and knowing that he was totally a broken soldier. Um, at the same time, the conditions that he was in, uh, the hospital that he was in, even though they said it was a trauma one center, was most appalling. Um, I I can't even go into detail about it, but it was not of any caliber of what we would see in the Midwest at all. We fought for everything that we possibly could to get him out as soon as he would try to come awake or if he would be awake. We were told to put him into a nursing home and to leave him pass is what we were told. Because of that, we were fighters. As you can about imagine, I being an educator, my husband being a tech director, we intensely dug into the research, read everything we could, contacted others that we knew to help us. Um, We went so far because it didn't seem like we were getting help from the U.S. Army, and it seemed like they were fighting everything along the way. They wanted to remove him from the trauma care and put them in the Army hospital about 15 miles away just to let him sit and then put him in a nursing home. That's what they wanted to do to him. We fought fought and fought. Uh, Every single day it was a battle. We made the decision at that time that my, the company was in both of our names, which it still is, but 
my husband said, one of us has got to be here. We cannot leave him alone. We don't know if they will take him and put him somewhere else. So that's when we decided that I would continue to lead the company. Uh, Jeff would take a break because he was my basically my main tech director for our company that did all the high-end tech in the back end. And I had to now find a subcontractor to help me with that. In the meantime, after 28 days, Jacob finally came to a little bit. We didn't know if he recognized us. We didn't know if he could even know who we were. Uh, just to the severity that we were told from the traumatic brain injury, he could probably never remember us. He'd have to regain all these skills back. Anyway, like I mentioned earlier, we fought like crazy. We even got the the, the second colonel, colonel in command of the U.S. Army to come to the hospital. And we told him that this is why we need to move him, because even... At the same time, another part of the army was undermining us the whole time, and they tried to actually take him out in the middle of the night to take him to their hospital. They didn't care. They didn't want. They didn't want to listen to the parents' rights, even though he was a U.S. soldier. They really thought that they owned him. So, because of that, the colonel says, "No, you have the right. You have the right as parents to have him because of the condition he's in to get him to the care that he needs." So as soon as he got woken up to the point that he could get somewhat stabilized, we got him airlifted back to Bethesda Traumatic Brain Injury Center in Minnesota, which is one of the best in the nation. And once we got him out, um, it made a world of difference. Because of that point of our where we are in our life, we spent another 174 days in hospital care to help Jacob again learn to speak learn to eat, learn to swallow, learn hygienic care again, because he was just like an infant stage. So we as parents took over that role once again to raise a baby um, to that point and to help him walk again. He's gone through so many surgeries, I can't even count on my own hands. But he is, like I said, a rebuilt bionic soldier and he has been known as being the miracle soldier because he was told he would never live to the severity of the injuries that he has. He has his own special walk now. He has his own special talk. He's, he speaks very monotone. He has lost all of that inflection. Um, it's because of how and why his brain works. He has long-term memory loss, and he every single day has short-term memory loss. What we have for breakfast in the morning and what we do in the morning, he captures and remembers for a, mo a certain amount of time. By lunchtime comes, we ask him how he enjoyed breakfast. He doesn't remember what he's had for breakfast unless if we prompt him by a word or a phrase to help him trigger those short-term memories that are still somewhat maybe captured there. So Jacob needs a 100% full-time caregiver. And Jake, ha or I said that our, my husband, Jeff, has been appointed as the full-time caregiver. And he's taken over that role so kindly, so generously, and without even second-guessing. And I'm so, so happy that Jeff has because there is no way that we could do both. And there is no way that we could ever put our son in a VA because he would be left to die and sit into a nursing home bed, which is so not for any young man. Our Jake now has about the cognitive level of, I would say, an upper middle school student. 
So that means that he, he can function with us. Uh, he has an amazing positive personality and he tries so hard uh, through everything that he does. Yes, he gets frustrated. Yes, he gets angry because of the accident at times, but he tries to do everything that he can to live a quality of life. So we as parents, every 30 days, have an opportunity to continue to help him build his positive mindset of trying to do something more, trying to do something to fulfill his passion bucket and to live a quality of life. He will be with us forever. And by the time that Jeff and I pass, our beautiful children will have the opportunity to also care for him. But we want to make sure that Jacob has everything that he should have the opportunity to have and still live a quality of life by experiencing going out to interacting with people, um, activities, and he loves to walk and he's got his own special walk. Like I said, the, the exercise for him is his greatest blessing because he still has that army mindset. He wants to run. He wants to jog. He can't do that anymore because his knees don't work that way. And he's got one of his own ankles is 90% fused where he can only do his type of walk. But he's very adamant about exercising every single day because those endorphins really help him going of feeling better, helping us, helping him keep in that positive mindset, but then also contributing to Jeff's and my quality of life because he makes us smile, he makes us laugh, but he helps us stay strong because he's gone through so much, which helps us mean that we as parents can go through anything now and get through any level of degree of, you could say, imbalance or disturbance that now comes upon us. And uh, we focus on that 30-day mission that if something doesn't go right this month, we can always change it and reset for next month. Just every time I hear pieces of your story, it's so complex. And I think any listener who is empathizing right now, because maybe they've been through any type of a, of a similar situation, is probably just sitting here in awe of you. And then those listeners who have never experienced such a challenge are also in awe of you. And I am so thankful that you would share this story, Naomi, on the podcast. It's something that kind of opened up my whole world and understanding of what we can all face, endure, and then use because you, you know, as you mentioned, Jeff is the primary caregiver for Jake and you have a thriving company that keeps your financial situation in a way that you can provide that. And that's what I love about you and your life message and the focus that you have on empowering women, because you have this beautiful kind of life light that tells us we can do this. And though, you know, people want to stereotype and say the woman would want to be the caregiver. I love how you two kind of blows a lot of those stereotypes up yeah. <laughs> in what you're doing. You know, you're the traveler, you're the, you know, you've got that. And then he is just this staid and steady loving father of an adult child now. And I, I, I'm so thankful to be connected with you. I'm so thankful that my listeners get to hear your wonderful story and to know that there is hope. Um, the fact that you talk about these 30 day, you know, this 30 day life cycle that we can come back from anything. 
you know, just putting myself and thinking about you and Jeff hearing that news initially. And I know there's a lot of details you're not even able to uncover on this podcast that you could reveal through your own memories, but just the strength that it has taken to get to this point where we're having this conversation now to be able to gift others with it is incredible. So Naomi, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for listening, Sarah. And like I said, every time I share, it gets easier, but it's still hard because, you know, those emotions and feelings come rushing back. And that's where it kind of makes you think, what could I have done differently? But that's what has empowered me to share my stories at different levels. And that's why it's so important that even as us as women leaders, we've had lots of setbacks in our lifetime when you look through the generations of where women are at. And we can only rise above this and use challenges that we have faced ourselves and to amplify them and to make them positive to help others with leading and sharing their story to help another generation make it through. And I think I shared that with you too, when we said the generation alpha, I've got three beautiful grandchildren now from my oldest son, Ryan and Darren and their beautiful wives. And uh, we have three alphas in that group now. And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, (laughs) how do we prepare for these littles? You know, but it's been so wonderful working with them because they learn and they think and they, they, they just are so driven without any, any setbacks at all right now. They, they're so brave. And I think, wow, those are going to be our next change leaders. So how can we help them provide them by a strong relationship, helping them with providing learning experiences to excite them about the world of learning, to really find their passions to change our world. So that'll be a whole next step of my journey as well as we continue to lead in women leadership. But uh, those little ones are teaching me every single day. Well, and I'm so glad you circled it back to that because I was thinking every time I see you, um, you know, share something about the baking and the the cooking. Cause I just love that that passion comes through and it's always best when I get to see you with one of your grandchildren. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. It's a wonderful legacy. Yeah. Um, and so I thank you for that. I thank you for bringing it back to that. I think we could sit here and unpack all kinds more details from your, your life journey. If you were able to write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, Naomi, what would you say? Well, if I could write a letter at any age or stage, I really would be would focus on the opportunity to take that chance, take that risk and continually persevere as long as it's fulfilling your passion bucket and knowing that that's your vision that you really want to pursue. I think even when I was younger, I had an opportunity to try different things, but I may have been more resistant because I think it would have broke the status quo. And we were taught um, as growing up, too, that, you know, women or young, young females is that you need to be quiet. You need to be respectful. You also need to wait until you're spoken to. And I have learned to break that now where there's times, yes, I do interrupt, but I do it in a positive manner. Or if I want to persevere to find out more information. And that's what I would say to others go ahead, take that leap, take that risk, but truly persevere. If it fills your passion bucket and you know that it's going to make positive change, please pursue 
that direction of knowing that it's going to help others in a certain form or a way. That's such great wisdom. I'm going to go ahead, listeners, and make sure that I link up how you can get a hold of Naomi if you just wanted to connect with her, if you're interested in bringing her into your organization, or you just want to, you know, stalk her a little bit on social media and learn a little bit more about her through wisdom and and what she's doing. So I, Naomi, I just want to thank you. You have been one of the biggest blessings of my entire life, and I'm so grateful that you shared your message here today on the In Awe podcast and gave such an inspiring interview for our listeners. Thank you so much, Sarah, and thank you for the honor and privilege to continue to work with you. You very much too are, I would say, a wonderful guardian angel in so many levels, in so many degrees, and I appreciate you each and every day. Thank you so much, Naomi. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.